0: Agent for the Orchestra by M M Genet. Hi, M's here. Just wanted to say thanks for listening to Agent for the Orchestra. You can always find me at genet.com or follow me on Facebook. Michelle Roger and I will be at the Flint Horror Convention on April 4th of this year, and we'd really love to see you. Chapter 21 So he knows we're after the rites of spring, thought Yvonne. Spectral was seething with jazz. It was radiating off of him, and Yvonne had to fight the urge to be drawn in. When jazz was swirling all around, it was intoxicating, even for the most experienced field agent. For a moment, she worried how it would affect Jack, but then, being a shapeshifter, he had far more control over outside influences. At least, that was what she told herself. That was the trouble with money and jazz and bankers and enchantments. It all looked and felt glamorous, but really, it was completely self-absorbed and high drama. Whoever was steeping in it was dangerous. Oh, Yvonne said coyly, you've caught us. If the final version is at all infused with power like the rough draft, that piece of music will be more powerful than Paris has ever known a piece of music to be. Why Madame Guy Blanc didn't call for a far stronger assistance is beyond me. With her disappearance, who knows, maybe she's taken it for herself. Ivan thought to herself. "'So, he knew Madame Kibla well, "'but not well enough to know that she's dead. "'Very strange that she never mentioned Spectral "'in any of the briefings,' thought Ivan. "'Her mind raced through every conversation "'she'd had with Madame Kibla. "'She was strangely aggressive for a field agent "'on permanent assignment, "'but Ivan had assumed it was a cultural thing. "'Parisians were known for their strong opinions,' and maybe it had rubbed off on Guy Blanc over the years. Then there was Madame's disappearance with only her vocal cords remaining behind. De Vac's existence came into question as Yvonne's brain leaped from the gruesome scene of Madame's murder. How was De Vac in Paris? He'd been missing for several decades, outside the age-protecting shield of the orchestra. How was De Vac even alive after all this time? Yvonne's pendant began to glow as a terrifying thought took form. Her stomach twisted, and she choked back bile as if her intuition pieced it together. Stealing another agent's actual physical body was a possibility she desperately hoped wasn't real. The part of Madame Guiblin that bound her to the orchestra was her talent, in this case her voice, and her pendant. Both were discarded and left at the school. Spectra was saying something to her, and Yvonne snapped out of her deep, dark spaces of her mind and returned to his electrically charged tantrum. Get me the composition, and I will offer you anything you desire. She could feel the jazz chaos shift from anger to seduction. It was no longer shooting off of him in jabs and sparks. Instead, it swirled like smoke around her head kissing her hair and making her feel warm and open to his suggestions. She wouldn't give in to the sensation, and yet she wasn't strong enough to shake it off. She opened her mouth to sing an enchantment to repel him, but Spectral was too quick. He turned up the intensity, and Ivan let out a small moan. Jack had reached his level of tolerance for the situation. Ivan may have been the lead agent, but he refused to let Spectral have his way. Jack let his temper go just enough to grow large enough across his chest. He heard his shirt rip at the seams as he grabbed Spectral around the neck with his left fist and held him there until the effects of the jazz dissipated on Yvonne. Ivan blinked her eyes, fighting the sensation and coming to her senses. She took a deep breath and exhaled, shaking her head slightly. Whew, thanks, Jack. Jack growled in response. What should we do with him? Mr. Spectral, Yvonne said, there will be no deals. We don't work for you, nor will we be selling the composition to any bidders. Our interest in the rights of spring is for a higher good. Her speech was interrupted by a burst of sparks that hit Jack directly in the chest, dropping him to his knees. The door from the top of the roof burst open, and nearly what seemed a hundred birds swarmed violently, targeting Jack and Yvonne and dive-bombing them as each one passed. "'What the hell is this?' screamed Legato. "'I think Spectral had backup ready. If he came up against anything, he couldn't handle alone,' Yvonne shouted back. Some of the birds swiped at them with their claws. Others were enchanted and directly sending electrical currents at them as they passed." Ivan dropped to her knees, covered her head with one arm, and crawled under the coffee table and then squeezed under the couch. Legato met her there. He swiped with his claws extended at birds who dared drop down near the floor. Meanwhile, Ivan closed her eyes and tried to concentrate. She held her greenstone and sang, calling out to the plants in the greenhouse. She envisioned the ivy and the climbing roses as she sang. Their creeping vines answered her by extending their tendrils towards the apartment. The progress was painstaking at first, but the strong ivy and thorny roses made their way along the rocky ground to the door of the apartment. Jack, she shouted, now would be a good time to show them who's got bigger wings. But she wasn't sure he'd heard her at all. The screeching of angry birds, the swoosh of a hundred flapping wings, and the crashing of Francoise's furniture was deafening. The roses and ivy crept around the doorframe and swallowed the wooden door, steadfastly holding it open. Legato continued to swat and howl, catching a few unfortunate ones and chomping on their frail necks. More crashing came from the kitchen, and Yvonne had to hold her concentration, fighting the urge to run and see the damage. She called the pebbles that covered the roof and the building and made a, that made a floor for the greenhouse. The wind also came to the door of the apartment, checking to see if it could be of assistance. She reluctantly envisioned a dirt devil. It would surely destroy the inside of the apartment, but it would rid them of Spectral's attackers. Just as her song reached out to answer the wind, the floor shook and the flock of birds scattered in a mad rush for any potential exit. At least a dozen crashed into the windows in their panic state, falling dead or stunned and landing on the floor. Even more hit the walls on either side of the door as the crazed flock of birds fought one another to escape the thunderous threat from the apartment. When the deafening vacuum of feathers and beaks made their escape, Yvonne dared open her eyes and break her focused song. "'She blinked her bleary eyes and burst out laughing. "'Once she started, she couldn't stop. "'She gripped her belly with one hand and her nose with the other "'in order to prevent the laughter from turning to snorting. "'Standing in the middle of the room was Jack-turned-griffin. "'He stood there brooding as Yvonne struggled to regain her composure. "'Jack was covered from head to tail in tiny white feathers.' They were stuck in his paws, his talons, his fur, and his beak. He had gone from fearsome beast to an overstuffed, feathery animal. "'I'm sorry,' Yvonne finally managed to say. "'You're just—' but she had to stop to hold back another burst of laughter. Instead, she began to pick the thick layers of feathers from his face. Meanwhile, Lily and the maestro made it back to their hotel— We'll have to change our lodgings, the maestro instructed. The chief of police was all too interested in you and your relationship to the pirate last night. Spectro may have prevented you from being arrested last night, but it takes more than a made-up lover's ruse to throw off any chief of police. The two started packing hastily. Lily opened a large carpet bag and began stuffing clothes and essentials into it. The maestro went to his chair in the corner and gathered several maps of Paris, his reading glasses, and a pen and notebook he'd been using to keep notes. Lily heard him take a deep breath. "'Ah,' he said, "'Smell that? My God, I haven't smelled a cigarette since just before I joined the orchestra. Hmm, that feels like practically another lifetime ago.' He smiled and walked over to Lily, taking her in his arms, She stopped packing her things and squeezed. "'Didn't you just say we needed to get out of here?' she smiled. The maestro pulled her to him and kissed her. When he pulled his lips from hers, he looked at her with bittersweet melancholy. "'I wish I'd met you sooner,' he whispered. "'Time means nothing, you know that. Fortunately, we have a thousand realities still ahead of us if we spend enough time back at the orchestra, recharging, so to speak.' You can't stop time completely, he sighed, holding her close and breathing in the perfume of her hair. Lily turned towards the window. She hated when he talked like that. In that moment, she noticed a ladybug scurrying across the sill. The cigarette smoke was making its way to the room window. She watched the ladybug as it basked in the smoke. Lily watched for a moment and suddenly gasped. "'We've got to get out of here, right now, right now!' she screamed, "'grabbing the maestro by the sleeve and running for the door. "'Let me get the bags,' he protested. "'Leave it! Come on!' "'What's going on?' he asked as he followed her down the hallway to the stairwell. "'We're under surveillance. Whoever's been listening to us will be here any minute.' The two made it to the main floor and opened the door to the lobby. Lily recognized two of the men in the crowd from Spectral's party. The maestro pulled her back inside the stairwell, and they held their breath. The small posse of ill-dressed men were asking questions at the hotel front desk. Come on, the maestro whispered, and the two slipped out the side door to the back of the hotel. They crouched down outside the door and listened. Several pairs of feet ran up the stairs among shouts and orders to what each of them should do once they reached the hotel room. I suspect your new boyfriend doesn't like being drugged, whispered the maestro. Huh, he's lucky that's all I did to him, Lily seethed. I've already killed one innocent civilian on this mission. Let's not add any more, the maestro added. Lily scoffed. I assure you, Spectral is no innocent. In the university practice rooms, Staccato and Francoise were painstakingly sifting through each piece of music. Ugh, it feels like we've been at this for days, moaned Francoise. Merely a few hours, corrected Staccato, and maybe not much longer. Look at this. Francoise slid her chair over to the table where Staccato had been playing and testing pieces of music. Look at this envelope, Staccato showed her. It was mailed here a few days ago. The return address is the same as Stravinsky's. Françoise was flushed with anticipation. Is the manuscript inside? Staccato pulled out a single sheet of paper. Sadly, no. It's just a letter to Madame Guiblain. In the letter, he says that he sent the manuscript to students who will always appreciate it and never misuse the elements of himself that he's poured into it. Staccato tapped his bow on the table. What students could that be? Frasois sat thoughtfully. Who would only play the music for the sheer joy of playing, and never for anything else? Well, maybe I'm jaded, Staccato said, but no student I know. Me either, confessed Frasois. Happy, joy, someone with no agenda, Staccato thought out loud, continuing to tap his bow. No one but a child would think like that, and I doubt Stravinsky knows any children. Staccato plucked his strings, thinking and thinking, and stopped with a pling of a rolled cord. He smiled at Francoise with a eureka on his expression of his face. Stravinsky didn't, but Madame Blasher did. the school, Francoise exclaimed. This episode was brought to you by Michigan Conservatory. Michigan Conservatory offers lessons in piano, strings, and preschool music. No matter where you are in the world, we offer online lessons through Skype, FaceTime, or Facebook Messenger. Go to michiganconservatory.com. If you enjoyed this chapter, visit my webpage mmjenee.wordpress.com or go to my author page on Facebook and join the MMjenee Reader Society group. There you can share your own music compositions, talk about adventures of Jack and Yvonne, or send a message to staccato or in legato. A special thanks to Comproom Services UK and sound engineer Steve Nutt for our sound editing. The music was by Michelle Roger.